Oh, let's see. Down in the tape room here, looking at some vintage audio. Oh, here's one. Nathan East. This was from 2019. What a moment this was. Nathan East, bassist of 40 years for Eric Clapton, Phil Collins, played with Stevie Wonder, Toto, Joe Satriani, Herbie Hancock, Daft Punk. You know, that big one got lucky. Oh, yeah, he's on that one there. Um, and uh, some great stuff here. Let's get into this one, man. This is a blast from the past. Vintage audio we had to share for our new fans. And uh, I'm going to keep digging here in the tape room, going through these files. All oh, these papers. This interview, that interview. We got some good stuff here and some new stuff coming soon. Oh! Hey, everybody. This is Joe Lincher. Hi, everybody. This is Rob Halford. The Rudy Thurgood. Hi, there. This is Steve Hackett. Hey, folks. This is Rick Emmett of Triumph. And we're talking rock with Dave and Shane. Well, joining us on the busy downtown Philadelphia phone line here is uh, Mr. Nathan East, who has done it all and does it all, of course. Uh, I love your website. It says that we've been listening to you our whole lives, and many of us probably don't even know it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's... Yamaha came up with that, but I thought it was funny, you know. It, it, it's uh, one of those things where, you know, behind the scenes, you know, What's it like? Let's start with uh, the shows you did at the Royal Albert Hall with uh, Eric Clapton, of course. I mean, three nights there. What was that like? I mean, such a historic venue. Uh, what was that? Tell us about it. Yeah, that that venue is is classic. It's it's just absolutely uh, a joy to play in. You look up and you see you know, the, the royal boxes, and, and it's kind of this circular, um, you know, mood inside where you, you just look up and, and see people and. and up like five or six stories or something like that so um and it's just a an amazing uh thing to play and i've played there over a hundred times and still it's, it's uh, really exciting and there's uh, i know some people actually from michigan who had flown out uh, to that show just to be right there i mean it, it's you know such an international crowd i'm sure too yeah pretty much uh i'm, I'm always amazed you know people come from all parts of the world and i saw some friends from Japan that had just been there um, when we played the Budokan, so it's just like, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a place to be the, um, you know, the, the, the special thing too is just, it's an intimate, it's an intimate sort of setting, you almost can touch the audience, you know, and, and so you're sitting there playing and it's just like, it's like, almost like a huge club. <laughs> yeah, it sounds, I mean, it certainly looks like it from the, the photos and everything. Um, now, you also, um, you've done some solo work as well. Um, your last album, uh, Reverence, was uh, out in 2017, I saw. Yeah. Um, so what is it like as uh, an artist who, you know, it's one thing when you collaborate and work with other, you know, major names in music like yourself and, you know, or you do maybe session work, but what's it like when you do your own thing? How do you, do you approach it differently? You know, I approach it with the same work ethic, you know, trying to make something great. And, and um, our band, you know, we just toured in six cities in China and in Indonesia to Jakarta and played Tokyo and Nagoya. And it's just, it's rewarding and fulfilling, you know, to go out and play your own music. And, and really, it, it feels like, wow, this is, this is what 
what I'm here to do, you know. Yeah. Has it changed? I mean, I know the industry has changed a lot and, and the, you know, the equipment, the style of recording has changed tremendously. What changes have you seen, um, you know, some, some of the major changes you've seen in your career and your approach to uh, recording, touring, and everything? Yeah, well, nowadays we, we have to sort of be walking retailers, you know, you'll notice, um, I think you'll notice just about everybody selling product, um, CDs, uh, whatever at their gigs, you know, and then, so back in the day, the gigs were, you, you did the gigs to let people know about your CD, you know, yeah. and then so they see you at the gig and they go out and run out and buy your album, now you, you know, you kind of do your albums to let people know about your gigs, that's where they can't be bootlegged, you know, a ticket to a gig is, is a ticket, you know, so that's why I think you see a lot of artists touring and more people out there because, um, you know, as we as we know, the record industry, um, you know, did take a downward turn. Yeah. When you are listening to music, I mean, do you, you know, if you're driving down the street someday, you know, you turn on like a light FM station, do you have like those moments where like half the songs in, in like one hour are songs you're on? Do you ever have those moments? Yeah, you know, it's, it, it's starting to be, it, it gets comical after a while. The kids are always making a joke about it because, you know, there's daddy again on the radio. <laughs> so many smash hits get lucky was i mean just it's it's an it's timeless and it's only a, a few years old i think right um how did those sessions work like how did that you know how did you kind of hook up with daft punk and those guys yeah they i think you know they wanted to kind of call in some of the guys um that they had you know been following through the years because usually they were kind of self-contained doing everything electronically but um you know they brought nile and and uh, a few of us, you know, sort of old session years, and had to just get that, that uh, you know, that real and way back <laughs> feeling, you know. Yeah, yeah. So it was it was fun to go in and record with those guys. They're great, great guys, and um, just very open minded. You know, they just turn on the tape and they just, just like, let it rip. You know. Yeah. And, uh, they had they they I love their recording side because they had all these old synthesizers in the room and, and you know, so they were definitely going for retro you know, even when we played the Grammys we all you know we went turn <laughs> <laughs> the clock back up that's awesome yeah yeah out of all the I mean you're on about what 2,000 recordings I, I saw at last check I mean are there any are there you know artists that you know uh I, I guess you, a lot of them have fulfilled your bucket list, maybe. But are there, you know, who really stands out as like, you know, some of like the most amazing players to play with? And I imagine Eric Clapton would be one, right? Steve, you know, he's, he's definitely right there at the top of the list. You know, just still to, to this day, it's just a, um, a thrill and a joy to stand next to you know the guy now. We're coming up on four decades of, of ripping and running around the world and recording together, and, and he he brings it, you know, still. And um, it's just, it's fun to see, it's inspiring, and um, 
enjoy. You've been on so many uh, iconic records. We talk about iconic records on kind of this, this podcast uh, that we do. And, you know, August, of course, has had many hits on it. And Tina Turner's on there and so many others. I mean, um, you know, Phil, working with Phil Collins, too. What, any memories specifically to the August sessions and tour? You know, the August uh, has a special place in my heart because that was kind of the first, uh, that, that was where the quartet was born with uh, Phil Collins on drums, Eric, uh, Greg, Philly Gaines, and myself. And uh, we, we used to call it the Heaven Band. You know, we just had so much fun. And I'll never forget, you know, it was, it was probably in the mid-80s. We were in the studio recording, and it was almost like you're doing a concert, you know. Speaking of Phil Collins, of course, you know, another song we always hear is Easy Lover. How did that um, come about? I mean, not just you playing on it, but co-writing it as well. Yeah, another another uh, most memorable day. Uh, I just uh, was in England rehearsing with Eric, and I went past the very first hotel I stayed that Phil put us in, and Phil used to come and pick Philip Bailey and I up. He lived out in the English countryside, and he'd pick us up, and then we'd go into uh, the townhouse studios in London. So that was like our daily routine. Every day for a couple of weeks, we'd go out from the country, go in and record by day. And, um, it was the last couple of days where Philip was saying, "Now oh, we still need a, we still need an undeniable hit that, that the record label would just, you know, put out." And so we just went over to the piano, and literally that song wrote itself in about 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. We did a little demo on it that night, just kind of throwing ideas around and. Um, Was that rare for something like that to like, you know, to kind of just cut it right then and there, or it, it does it depend on the song and kind of the mood and the the flow of things? Yeah, it kind of depends on everything. In, in, in a situation like that, it, it was great because a lot of us uh, had flown over to London. Uh, obviously, Phil Collins being the producer, so uh, we we were there, and, and so when you're there like that, you it's undivided attention, you know. So you can put all your attention. You're not going to back and, and having all any kind of distractions so we we're literally focused on you know making this record and so for whatever reason it just kind of opens up the creative zones and and you can just kind of sit there and, and come up with stuff and so we had been together for two weeks playing together and and so it was just fun to kind of trust what we were writing and uh, and uh, you know i think we were all very happy until to this day about the did Butt seriously follow? Um, was was that more? Was that a little bit later? Was that ninety? I think nineteen ninety. I think that was a little bit later, and uh, yeah, maybe about two years. And, and uh, I remember hanging long enough. It was the, the first Phil Collins song I played on, um, actually on one of his records. So that was exciting. Yeah, I was going to say, what was that like? Uh, oh man, it was, <laughs> it was again incredible. We were at the uh, Genesis Recording Studio, the farm out in the countryside. So once again. Incredibly inspiring atmosphere to be in, and of course the history of that studio is 
was all about just yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, I mean, that that whole album has been, um, I think in recent years on his tour, he's been playing more of that album, too. And it's like, I remember hearing, I think I heard that song when he played um, the show, the Prudential Center uh, in Newark. And I, I just, I said, wow, it's got to be really cool to, to be on, you know, records like that one. I mean, that, that just have such a unique sound and, 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 and quality yeah. to it. And, you know, something happened on, on the way to heaven. You know, he, he was a, such a big fan of Virtue and Fire. So, uh, hence the horn section, and, and really, you know, he, he even got the arrangers, he got some of the guys from Earth, Wind, and Fire to play horns, you know, so, for me, you know, doubly exciting, you know, to, to be playing with Bill Collins and then, you know, some of the musicians from some of the greatest bands of all time, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. making music together, and, and I thought, you know, this is, this is really what it's all about, and, and uh, I love the fact that I was able to be there. How do you approach, does it differ stylistically in your approach, like, I mean, to do a lot of the pop or more contemporary rock stuff, like, you know, Eric Clapton, Phil Collins, and the blues, and then jazz, like, foreplay. I mean, how does that, does it, does your approach change at all? No, I've, I've never really, uh, I've never really put music into categories, because when I was growing up, I literally, it was A to Z, you know, and, and on the radio, you'd hear, uh, you'd hear Hendrix, then you'd hear Miles Davis right after, you know, and then you'd hear uh, the Beatles, you know. So I didn't really know that there were different categories. I just, you know, there's Gladys Knight, Marvin Gaye, there's The Temptations, there's James Taylor, you know. So we just had, you know, musical tastes were all over the place, but it, it wasn't kind of like, uh, okay, it's jazz. You know, Wes Montgomery was one of the first um, artists and albums that, that I used to listen to, where I just, it just got me. Yeah. So it, it really doesn't, you know, it doesn't really matter. I just, as long as it's good music, I, I feel like, you know, we just go in there and do what we do. You haven't just innovated on tracks and, and, and you know, writing and everything too, but on gear as well. You have some signature uh, bases out there and even down to some of the pickups I read. Uh, can you tell me a little bit more about just, um, you know, how you kind of worked with, um, I think Yamaha was it, to, to create, you know, yeah help create the sound that you, you know, for other artists out there. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny, too, that when I look back on my early days, I had a Fender Jazz bass that I bought in 1991, I mean, 1971, and, and then I was, I was, you know, putting so many holes in that thing, I put so many different pickups in, I was always looking for a sound, you know, just, so I kept experimenting, and then so uh, when the 80s came around and I got together with Yamaha, they were really... Um, open to working together, and I'd go by, and we'd R&D different pickups and strings, spacings and settings, and just always trying to hone what what kind of made me feel good about what I had to do, contribute to music, and so we came up with the signature bass. Uh, they did a great job, and, and I, I find that when I work with companies like Yamaha 64 Audio, where now we have a signature set of in-ear monitors that we use on the road, um, it just makes it kind of like tailor-made for situations that I know um, that that work and that I'm in every day. Yeah. It's really cool, and especially, like, I, I even saw the international base you have. I forget what you call it, but there's, like, you know, all the, there's the Japanese flag and all the other flags, too. And is that one of the, the you know, one of the items in your gear you kind of take around? Absolutely. That's been, um, you know, my, my go-to base, especially in the, you know, uh, in my solo work and, and with four plays, because of the six strings, you know, uh, a lot more solo 
Wow. <laughs> this is my lucky bass. But buddy, this, it was just great to take it out in the case. And the first song I played on it, you know, yeah. it had that amount of success. And it, so it just, it was, it was one of those things where I just take the bass everywhere. And, uh, and uh, so it's, it's nice to work with a, a company that um, is always like willing to, um, is open to ideas and, and wants to you know, keep moving forward. Yeah. I just had a couple more questions, if that's all right. I was always curious, you know, going from four to five to six strings, I mean, how do you, like, is that a matter of range? Is that a matter of the style of music? And how do you go go into that? Yeah, absolutely, range and, and style of music. Um, you know, it started with, you know, obviously we, we all played four-string bass. And I remember when, you know, synthesizers came in and started playing low synth. And so I used to have to tune the bass down a lot, and then they had thing called a hip shot that took the bass lower by uh, two by by two half steps. Mm. So then then you know then I remember five strings came around. So now you had the lower range, and then uh, and then when bass players wanted to start doing more solo work and more chords and melodic, uh, you added the high C string, and then that gave. So so when you have four strings in the middle of the usual bass, but then you have the lower range and the higher range, it gives you um, a lot of power in your hands just to mm. kind of go into different musical genre styles and, and uh, what have you. Those six strings look so heavy. I'm like, how, do, how does anyone play those? <laughs> <laughs> it is heavy. Yeah. I, I remember uh, being out with Toto and I, I was jumping around with that bass. I tore my Achilles. Oh my God. It was, it was you know, I kind of played it on the bass a little bit. <laughs> And uh, so that's the only thing, you know, and that's why I've been working with Yamaha now to uh, uh, see if we, we, we recently have a custom headless bass that we've blown around with. And, and the, uh, the reason for that is, number one, to make it lighter and, and also to have something that I can uh, put in the overhead bins on the, uh, when, when I'm traveling. Okay. So, again, you know, constantly trying to evolve and come up with the next thing. Yeah. Um, and speaking of the next thing, that was my last question. What's next for you uh, kind of in the near future and long term? Yeah, so in the near future, um, this weekend I'm heading off to uh, Berlin and then we're going to Vienna and uh, some other cities in Germany to play um, some more shows with Eric Clapton. Uh, we're going to do his guitar festival in Texas in September and some, some dates in the States. So uh, again, always, always fun and a joy uh, picking up band back together with Eric and then um, we're, uh, I'm due for another record so I'll, I've been in, you know, doing some writing now for the, my next record and just uh, and, uh, keep it moving forward <laughs> uh, you, you know it's just uh, uh, I'm, I feel very blessed that, that there's a lot you know there's always a lot going on that's uh, why we got into it Absolutely. Well, Nathan East, thank you so much for taking the time, sir. You have an incredibly busy schedule and much appreciated. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure, and uh, hello to all our friends out there. That, uh, and thanks for the support over the years. You got it. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah.